Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, November 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There's no clear outcome for the U.S. presidential election yet, and there might not be one for a bit. And as the world waits for results, so are business leaders. The close race for the White House and the U.S. Senate will affect the way executives plan for the next four years. Plus, Ant's IPO is being held up by China. We'll take a look at what it means for the fintech company. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The last polls closed at 11 o'clock at night, New York time on Tuesday. But we still don't have a clear picture of whether it'll be four more years of Donald Trump or if Joe Biden will take the White House. And to be clear, we might not know the final outcome for days. Here's what we do know. Biden picked up the larger liberal states most people were expecting him to. New York, California, Illinois. But Trump, he was in line to win a lot of the states that were considered swing states. Florida, Texas, Ohio. But ballots were still being tallied even as I speak. So what are we waiting on? I'm joined by the FT's U.S. Managing Editor, Peter Spiegel. Peter, which are the key states that we're still waiting on? Well, it's the states that, frankly, we had always suspected would be the ones we'd have to wait on. It's the big blue wall in the Midwest and and, and, uh, Mid-Atlantic. It's Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And you remember for 2016, these are the states that Hillary lost by tens of thousands of votes. I mean, really minuscule margins. And it was always the states that looked like they were going to be big wins for Biden. But because of all the COVID restrictions and all the, the early voting, we knew that these states were going to take longer than others to count because they didn't have provisions in state law that allowed them to start counting ahead of time, like some of these other states, Florida, as you said, uh, North Carolina, uh, Ohio. A lot of these states were allowed to start counting weeks ago, but Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin are only just starting to count. And that means it's going to take a longer time to get the results. And Peter, I want to switch gears a bit to the U.S. Senate race, which, like everything else in this election, seems to be pretty complicated. Uh, How is this looking? It is also much like the early returns on the presidential race, where, again, the Democrats had hopes of picking up, you know, a a North Carolina here or a Georgia there. Thus far, the reach states that they thought they could get haven't come to fruition. So, again— It is going to come down to votes that are counted later, particularly in Georgia, where we're likely to see both Senate seats, which are up, go into runoffs. And that's not going to happen until January. So right now, it doesn't look like the dream scenario that Democrats had going into Tuesday night uh, is going to be realized. And going into the election Tuesday night, Donald Trump said he was concerned about voter fraud. Um, Many Democrats were worried about voter suppression. We saw a few lawsuits by Republicans disputing votes in Nevada and a few other places. What are these about, and could they change the course of the election? The big one to watch is going to be Pennsylvania. And Trump has already sort of been flagging this up as a place for legal challenges. One of the things that has happened in, in, in Pennsylvania is that courts have ruled that ballots that come in through mail but are received anywhere up to three days after Election Day, as long as they're post-stamped before Election Day, they can be counted. And the Supreme Court has upheld this this uh, uh, this rule, and Trump is livid. And Trump is claiming that this is you know, a violation of election law, that it's got to be you know received on the day. And if the result is tight in Pennsylvania, and, and there is a chance that Pennsylvania is the, the state that whoever wins it becomes the president, we could have another situation uh, like Florida in 2000, where again, tight result, the White House hangs in the balance, and the courts were the place where this was adjudicated as people 
uh, recounted the vote. So that is a possibility here. And we're going to have to wait, frankly, probably for their day even to find out whether Pennsylvania is that close and whether the, the court challenges that the Trump is threatening come to fruition. Markets were up going into the election, Peter. Um, how have they reacted so far? Boy, it's been a been a all over the place kind of kind of night into the morning. Uh, you know, essentially, anytime it looked like Biden was going to win, and, and and for those who didn't follow the results over the course of the night, there was this you know blue mirage early. We saw in in Georgia, in North Carolina, and even in Florida, the early votes uh, that came in through mail-in and through through early voting, which were counted first in many of these states, showed big Biden leads, even in Ohio for for a while. Uh, Markets really rallied on that. Again, this this sense that we had in the markets that the big blue wave uh, was going to make things easier in Washington for whoever is president. Uh, had rallied the markets over the last week or two, uh, so we saw a huge upswing. And then when suddenly things started turning against against Biden and for for President Trump, uh, we saw a sell-off. But that kept going back and forth depending on what headline had flashed up and which state had been called and what county even results were were being shown. So it, it it's it's going to be a, I think a turbulent day in the markets on Wednesday and, and frankly probably for the rest of the week. Peter Spiegel is the U.S. managing editor for the FT. Thank you, Peter. My pleasure. Meanwhile, executives across corporate America were eagerly awaiting the results as they came in last night. The Republican Party has, in recent history, been known as the party of business. But in the days leading up to this election, some industry leaders made it clear they were more worried about the future of democracy than the corporate tax rate. Andrew Edgecliff Johnson has more on how business is thinking about the next four years. Well, it was interesting in recent weeks to see how many business leaders swung behind the idea that a possible wave election in which one party ends up controlling all three of the White House, the Senate and the House, would be helpful for business because it would unblock the partisan gridlock, which so many companies blame for preventing action on their policy priorities, things like infrastructure spending and immigration reform. It doesn't look as though they're going to get that. The other great test is whether we get a lot of courtroom fights over results. There was a strong signal being sent from business to the candidates in recent days that they wanted the parties to respect the results of the election. They didn't want a long, drawn-out fight. They were very concerned that that would lead to further divisions in the population and indeed in their own workforces. And they don't want to see that kind of friction continuing for too long. And Edge, what about the more pressing issues of the pandemic and the economy? So we had a really interesting statement on Tuesday from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is the biggest business lobby group in Washington, saying that regardless of who wins, the business community is not going to wait for the inauguration to start pressing for more action on the further stimulus that they think is going to be needed to boost the economy in the face of a pandemic. Business is very impatient with the delay that it's uh, that it's seen from Congress in passing a second stimulus, and it is not going to wait around before sending a message to the newly elected president, whoever that may be, and to the Congress uh, that it wants much faster action before January's inauguration. That's U.S. Business Editor Andrew Edgecliff Johnson. And hey. Believe it or not, there is other news going on besides the U.S. election. Namely, China halting Ant's $37 billion IPO. 
The fintech company was supposed to float in Shanghai and Hong Kong on Thursday. The move to halt the IPO came a day after Jack Ma, who controls Ant and is the founder of retail giant Alibaba, was summoned to a meeting with Chinese regulators. Hudson Lockett, our Asia Capital Markets correspondent, has the story. I think it's probably safe to say that Mr. Ma didn't express any particular disagreement with regulators at the meeting. But late last month at a summit in Shanghai, he had openly voiced disdain for some of China's biggest banks, suggesting that they had sort of a pawn shop mentality and that Ant was really doing them on better by sort of extending credit to companies and individuals with less collateral. Perhaps unfortunately for Jack Ma, that same summit saw Wang Qishan, who is China's vice president and a longtime confidant of President Xi Jinping, emphasize that safety always comes first. And it seems quite possible that we are now seeing the fallout of those two views colliding. I think one thing that you can say for sure is that this is going to throw a real curveball to international investors who are finally getting comfortable with Chinese markets. Hitting pause on the world's biggest IPO two days before it goes to market is not the kind of thing that international investors like to see or be involved in. So, so Hudson, what, what could this mean for Ant? The impact on Ant is uncertain as of yet. However, what is certain is that regulations that were announced on Monday are basically going to require Ant to keep roughly a third of its capital on its balance sheet at a minimum. Previously, it could leverage capital of about 3 billion renminbi into 300 billion renminbi in loans. Now, however, it looks like Beijing is going to keep Ant under a far closer supervision and allow it far less room to run when it comes to its influence on China's onshore financial markets. And in short, it looks like Ant could be quite a bit less profitable operating under these new rules. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.